HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. Food and travel, they go hand in hand. And chances are, if you're a fan of Heritage Radio Network, you love them both. Between April 10th and 24th, we have six incredible food and travel experiences up for auction at CharityBuzz.com. Go on an underground food tour of New Orleans with a rocket scientist. Get your hands on VIP passes to Feast Portland or enjoy a ranch to table experience in wine country. Four of the experiences include hotel stays at some of the most iconic properties across the country, including the newly reopened Hotel Claremont in Atlanta. Now's your chance to win the ultimate bourbon and beyond weekend in Lexington or take in a Latin food tour of New York's outer boroughs. You'll eat, drink, explore, and relax, all while supporting Heritage Radio Network. Help us keep the lights on and the mics hot. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash auction and bid now. Hello, this is Dana Cowan, your host, and you are listening to Speaking Broadly on Heritage Radio Network. Today, my guest is someone who has overcome a challenging illness and also some challenging shyness. She has built not just one, but two businesses with her five, four siblings and parents. And she is the chief innovation officer for a growing empire called Siete Family Foods. I'm very excited to have Veronica Garza on my show, calling in from Austin, Texas. Veronica, so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be chatting with you. <laughs> you're like, you're kind of happy to be chatting yeah. with me. You're also like, I'm glad I said yes, but I'm not so sure. So I'll feel y- better once it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to make it, you know, as joyful as it can be. Um, you come from a large Mexican-American family and you were br- born in Laredo, Texas, and you grew up eating um, classic Mexican food, from what I can tell, which includes, you know, great flour and corn tortillas. But your business is built on an almond tortilla. Can yeah. you tell me, like, what what was the um, health situation that made you look into an, a grain-free 
um, diet, and then grain-free tortillas. Yeah, so we're, we're uh, Siete Family Foods, a grain-free, healthy Mexican-American food brand. Um, we got started in 2014, but really the idea came about um, in 2010. So uh, as you mentioned before, I've dealt with a lot of health issues. Um, I was diagnosed with multiple autoimmune conditions since I was 17 years old, uh, so almost half my life ago, and um, I was dealing with a lot of uh, autoimmune symptoms for many years. And So and can, we, can we talk about what, what those are? Like, what sure. are the autoimmune um, symptoms? Like, how does that affect your everyday life? Sure. Um, so I have three different conditions I've been diagnosed with. Um, one is called ITP, um, idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura. I think is the full uh, name for that. And it's basically just low platelet counts um, that are caused by some sort of immune response. Um, and then I have lupus as well and Hashimoto's. So um, the symptoms vary. Um, and, I, you know, I deal with different symptoms from the different conditions at different times in my life. But um, so the low platelet counts. And then uh, years later, uh, I think when I was about 22, I was diagnosed with lupus, and a lot of those symptoms were just, you know, like achy joints, um, just feeling really fatigued all the time and couldn't figure out why, um, uh, just general inflammation. Uh, and then for me, it specifically started affecting my kidneys, uh, and uh, I remember a doctor telling me at the time that if I didn't improve, that I would have to, you know, go on dialysis pretty quickly, and that was pretty scary at the moment. Um, Honestly, it all sounds a little scary. Was that incredibly overwhelming, and you just wanted to shut it all down and go crawl into bed? or? It was, and it actually did affect my life at that moment. I, was, uh, I had a job at uh, the University of Texas right after I had graduated from college, and I had to leave that job because it did become so overwhelming just all of the doctor's appointments and, you know, just feeling like it was hard to get out of bed in the morning. And it, it, was, it was kind of hard to hold down a job. So I, I left that job um, and moved back to Laredo for a period uh, to go live with my parents so that they could support me during that time. So it, it was, you know, life-changing experiencing that. But then um, I know that your family was so supportive and I remember there, there was something about working out in the backyard. I was like, that's, you know, a, this is a family that committed to help you through your health challenges together, yeah. right? It wasn't like, ah, you're on your own, like, we'll be there for you, but they were with you. Yeah, my, my parents and everybody in my family was always really concerned for me, and they tried to help in any way they could. Um, it wasn't until, I think it was 2008 or 2009, I, I had just graduated from uh, grad school, I'd gotten my MBA, and uh, I was home for a summer trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do with my life, um, what I was going to do with this degree. And um, it was around that time that my older brother had been uh, doing a lot of research. He had become familiar with, like, paleo diet and CrossFit, and uh, he was reading a lot of people were saying, 
just anecdotally that you know they felt a lot better uh, when following a grain-free diet. You know, if they were dealing with different autoimmune conditions, it tended to help most of these people um, to alleviate a lot of these symptoms. So he suggested that I start doing that, and with a little bit of resistance at first. Um, I, you know, Is that because you just didn't believe that it could that anything could actually help you? Yeah, I, I had been. No doctor had ever told me that you know my diet could be helpful. Um, they just wanted to put me on medication, so it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. I thought I ate healthy at the time, right? Um, but it, it wasn't healthy for you know the different conditions that I was dealing with. So um, I, I did change my diet at that point, um, and what made it a lot easier for me to do was uh, my family. Everybody in my family, all seven of us, uh, changed our diet at the same time. Uh, they did it to support me. They know my personality, and they knew that I probably wasn't going to do it unless, um, you know, I had people doing it with me. So and why, uh, that why was, was that? Why, like, why would you not have done it on your own? It's, it's just, it's really difficult to do. And, at the, I mean, if you don't have, I mean, it, I guess if you're getting together on a regular basis for people, you know, to come together for a meal. If you're that one person, oh, yeah, of course, you're right. Sure, eating, you know, differently, you just don't. It, there's resistance. That makes. I want to t- be like everybody else. <laughs> of course, that makes total sense. Yeah. I just love that all seven of you did it together. That must have been made it actually kind of fun, right? I mean, just yeah, it, it changed a lot of things. Um, we had to get really creative in the kitchen, and my mom started cooking differently, and even my dad, who's really picky eater, um, joined us in that, and he changed his diet, and everybody started feeling better, and it it was also around that same time that, like you mentioned, we, we started working out together um, in my parents' backyard, and that eventually led to uh, a business in itself. Their um, friends and neighbors uh, started catching on to what we were doing, and they wanted to join us, so there ended up think being like 20 people in my parents' backyard, oh my it got so big. <laughs> wow. We realized we had to, you know, for the neighbor's sake, <laughs> we had to move it to an actual location and, you know, start recruiting new members and actually have people pay to, to participate <laughs> in these workouts with us. So that was our first business venture together. And um, what did you discover in working together? You know, because I find it Actually, impossible would not be too strong a word. I find it impossible to think about creating a business with, um, you know, my siblings. Uh, what was that like? Were you were you worried? Did everybody natural naturally fall into place, and everyone knew their role? Yeah, I think it it was just natural. Um, I don't think there was ever really a, a discussion of like you're going to do this, you're going to do that. It was just these are the things that need to happen, and the person who felt most capable or comfortable doing those things did them. Um, so we, we all still had, you know, full-time jobs elsewhere, so it was sort of an evening thing um, and weekend uh, business. And eventually, actually, we did have my older brother move down to Laredo from Houston where he was living with his family to manage our business full-time. Um, so, yeah, it, it was really natural. I think we... We're just so used to doing things together. It, it didn't feel like a big deal. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that's um, the way you describe it. It, it sounds uh, almost idealized, right? Because everybody without the fighting and like, I want to do that. No, I want to do that. Or I don't want to do anything, which I guess is another option. <laughs> um, and so I'm curious because I haven't heard anything about like a love of cooking on your part or food. And yet you developed the original almond flour tortilla recipe, right? Experimenting. Yeah. How did that happen? So I would say it was, it was definitely um, like innovation that came out of necessity. Um, I, I do really enjoy cooking, but I don't have any professional background in it. Uh, it's just I, something I've always been, you know, enjoyed doing. I guess I would consider myself kind of a tinker in the kitchen, um, always trying to do things a little differently. So when we all changed our diet, you know, we all started feeling really good, but we definitely felt like there was a part of our culture that we were missing out on. Um, you know, we would regularly get together on weekends for a carne asada, is what we would call it, it's a backyard barbecue where we grill a ton of meat. Um, and, you know, we no longer were able to wrap, you know, the delicious fajitas in a tortilla. We would have to grab, like, a piece of lettuce and call that a taco, and it, it just wasn't <laughs> the same thing. That didn't feel so good. <laughs> yeah, no, and then you go to, you know, get-togethers with friends, and you're that weird person that, you know, just has meat on their plate or, you know, a lettuce-wrapped taco. And it's, you really do feel like, or we really did feel like we were missing out on a part of our culture that we really loved. Um so I don't remember exactly how it happened. I just know, you know, I knew there were certain foods that I could eat that were a little more nutrient-dense that I had been playing around with uh, to make things like breads. Uh-huh. And I just figured, okay, well, what if I just throw all of these ingredients together and try to make something that, you know, functions like, resembles, and tastes like a tortilla? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what it looks like, right? So, yeah, it's like, you you know the form factor. You just have to now make it it taste good. So Mm -hmm. did you try a million different times, or um, did it sort of come together pretty easily for you? I think it, hmm. Well, I'm a perfectionist, so I I feel like I'm still working on, you know, even that recipe to this day. Um, So I always feel like it's still coming together. But... (laughs) Um, the the very first iteration of it was probably more like a tostada. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't very tortilla pliable like, um, and uh, but it was it, pretty much the same ingredients that we're using today. It just took a little bit of tweaking and um, playing around with to get to what we have today. So um, I want to come back in a, a minute to, you know, what you're playing around with today, but I'm, I want to focus a little at the start of, on your family, because what I know about your family history, it just seems like you come from an extraordinary family, not just the immediate seven of you, but, um, you know, your the previous generations who were in Texas before you. Can you tell us about your, your grandmother? I know she had a, a great role to play here, and it sounded like your grandfather was sort of exceptional. You It, it doesn't surprise me that you're amazing family came together to start businesses because you've had such a history of doing interesting things in Texas. Yeah, there's definitely a legacy that uh, we're trying to live up to um, and carry forward. Uh, so we're, we are Texas-based family. Both sides of my family um, have been in Texas for 
several generations at least. I, I usually consider myself a third-generation Mexican-American or Texan. Um, but even on my dad's side, we've probably been in Texas longer than that since they, they were from uh, the border town of Laredo. Um, and we may have been in Laredo for like five or six generations uh, before me. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we do have a long history here in Texas. Uh, my great-grandparents on my mother's side uh, came to Texas um, by way of Baytown um, from Michoacan, Mexico. And uh, my uh, they, they started working in the oil refineries in the Houston, Baytown area. And, uh, you know, my, my grandfather was a World War II veteran, or is a World War II veteran, and um, he, you know, it, when I was in college, I had to do a, a family history project, and I was able to interview him um, about his experience in the war, and I learned a lot about, you know, the work that he had done for Mexican-American civil rights um, during that interview. And uh, one of the things that always stood out to me was um, he... He had mentioned that, you know, well, he was a paratrooper, and um, he had mentioned that one of his duties that he recalled was, you know, he would have to walk around after, you know, there had been some sort of fight, and he would have to lift up these dead bodies to place them up against a fence to make sure that they didn't get run over by the trucks that were coming through, and that he would notice, you know, the names of, you know, these people on their name tags on their dog tags, and it would, um, last names like Garzan, Martinez, and Lopez, they were just mostly Hispanic surnames, and that really hit him. Um, And when he came back from the war, he felt like uh, Mexican-Americans were really treated like second-class citizens, even though, you know, a lot of them had contributed, you know, their lives (laughs) um, to the war and to our country. So he he became really involved in Mexican American civil rights, and um, he uh, he had some involvement in helping to change the uh, the way elections were run in the Baytown area. Uh, he tried to run for city council and for mayor, and wasn't able to win the seat, and realized that a lot of it was because uh, they were a uh, an at large voting uh, district as opposed to a single member. So huh. he actually took a case to the Supreme Court and was wow. able to change the, uh, the way elections uh, take place there. And he was really involved in um, improving the quality of education for Mexican-Americans. Um, he was uh, one of the people involved in starting something called the Little School of 400, um, which basically was the precursor to uh, the Head Start program that still exists today. So, um, yeah, my my grandparents were really involved in in Mexican-American civil rights, and it's something that I've, at least since college, I've I've been aware of and um, really, you know, proud to uh, be a part of in some way. That is, just hearing that um, gives me chills. That's an extraordinary uh, family legacy, as you say. in Trump's America, does how does that make you feel, and does that change what how you think about every day what you're doing? Um, 
Well, I think there's just, I know that they did a lot to get us to where we are today. Um, and so I feel like I just have to carry that forward and do everything I can to make sure that, you know, I live up to that. You're doing amazing things with the food of, um, you know, your family and, and changing it for the, the modern day, which we're going to talk about right after we come back from this break. So stay with us. You're going to hear more about the amazing um, tortillas, tortilla chips, and other delicious foods from Siete Family Foods and how they came to be. So stay with us. Uh, listen to the commercial and we'll be right back. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. From papayas and samosas to reishi mushrooms, if it's something that sounds delicious, chances are you'll find the freshest, best version of it at Whole Foods Market. They have more than 400 stores across the country, so if you consider pizza its own food group or just can't imagine when avocado toast wasn't a thing, Whole Foods Market has you covered. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find a store near you. Whole Foods Market. Whatever makes you whole. It's Dana Cowan. Welcome back to Speaking Broadly. You're listening to me talking to Veronica Garza, and we're talking about um, Mexican-American foods and this amazing company called Siete Family Foods. So, Veronica, we were just talking about how um, incredible your family is, but we were talking about your family recipes and how you developed the very first um, tortilla for the the company that is now, I think you're in 400 Whole Foods, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so you played around with it and you got the tortilla to a pretty acceptable place for you, even though you're a perfectionist. What, <laughs> tell me, what happened next? What happened next? So I was really just making these tortillas for me and my family at first um, so that we could continue to enjoy, you know, the our beloved Mexican food uh, and tacos. And uh, so every weekend, my mom and I would get together in the kitchen, and we'd. at first it was just making batches of tortillas for the family to snack on throughout the week. And um, around the same time that you know, we had changed our diets, we had started this uh, family gym together, and... Uh, our, eventually, all, all of the members and clients of our gym found out about these tortillas. That <laughs> they're, like, wait, they're like, you're holding back on us. Like, yeah. we're doing the hard work, but we're not having the fun with the tortillas. Yeah, so they, they started asking for them. And um, so my mom and I would get in the kitchen, and we started making more and more tortillas. And, you know, I would sell them to just know, some of my friends and, and family, well, not family, my friends at the gym, <laughs> <laughs> members. And um, so we did that for many years. And 
so what kind of you how, what kind of volume were you sorry what kind of volume were you doing like you were just doing this out of your family's kitchen and yeah. I mean did it take over I just imagine you know almond flour everywhere and <laughs> you know no time to yourself like what was that what was that like in that those years when you were you had developed the recipe you were selling to gym members and any you know people who would ask yeah I think it it basically took over um, our Saturdays and Sundays often. Um, we would probably make, I think I remember doing something like 50 packs of tortillas in, wow. in a day or in a weekend um, with, with my mom's help. And it, it was often just the two of us. Um, and we were doing it all by hand. And I think I was actually like taking orders. People would ask me for tortillas and I'd tell them, okay, well, uh, next weekend <laughs> I'm going to make a bunch and so I can sell you some the following week. Uh, so go ahead and put in your order and I'll make sure that I set those aside for you. Um, so yeah, it was probably about 50 packs at a time. Wow. Um, and was this great bonding with your mom? Like, did you, did she tell you stories? I mean, was this, because with five kids, I, it would also seem possible to me that you didn't have a ton of time alone with your mom when you were growing up. Yeah, it, it, I think it was a really good bonding experience for us. And sometimes we were able to call in my grandma to get advice from her. Uh, she had been making flour tortillas all of her adult life, and they were probably the most delicious flour tortillas that I've ever tasted. So, you know, we would get to call her and see what she thought, and she got to try them one day um, and really liked them. So, yeah, it, it was really nice. It, it was often a time where my mom and I would talk about uh, my, you know, her experience growing up and making tortillas with her family or watching, you know, my grandmother and great-grandmother make tortillas. So I think I learned a lot during those times. So then, um, and but then you realized you had a business somehow. Yeah, I, I didn't know how to start a business. Um, I think that was the issue, but I always knew in the back of my mind there was a possibility. So people would ask me for the recipe all the time, and I knew enough not to give it out. <laughs> I thought there's, there's a possibility uh, that one day this could be something. Um, so I, I, I hung on to that recipe. Well, I mean, to this day, uh, I'm hanging on to it, but uh-huh. people actually didn't even know what was in the tortillas other than almonds. I wouldn't tell anybody more than that, and they would <laughs> still buy them. So, <laughs> so then... Um, I think your your brother was the one who was just like, come on, let's make it a business, right? Yeah, it, so I wanted to start a business uh, for many years, and I do have an MBA, but starting a food business just seemed really foreign to me, and I didn't know where to start. I had a full-time job teaching um, at a university in Laredo, and it just seemed like a really daunting thing for me to take on. And I, I think it was kind of an idea that it was something I would do on my own because it was my recipe. And I could just never figure out what to do or never get the courage to do what I needed to do. So I think it was in 2013-ish, um, late 2013, my brother uh, was in a position, my younger brother, uh, he was really looking for a job. He had gotten his law degree, but didn't really want to practice law in the traditional sense. So he was looking for a job, and um, 
I think he saw that he was living in Austin and saw that there were a lot of people who were, you know, really eating healthy, following these paleo-type diets and could really benefit from having a product like this available to them in stores. So I think he was really the person that convinced me that we could do it. Um, And then my mom also at the same time came on board saying, you know, I'll do this with you. And I think we just all decided that it was a risky thing to do, but we would feel better at least trying um, versus, you know, waiting, not doing anything and seeing that somebody else came out with something similar. That makes sense to me. And and at this point, did you have your autoimmune um, challenges under control? Because that, that seemed like that had really made it difficult for you in jobs and times past. And you were really going to be launching into something that was even more stressful and more consuming than um, your previous positions. Yeah, at, at the time, um, really all of my autoimmune symptoms were very much under control, um, you know, almost completely gone. When I would go to doctors, they were surprised that none of those markers were there anymore. Um, and it really was just changing my diet and, and starting to exercise. That is that so inspiring. Is. I hope all those listeners out there, you know, hear that. I mean, just diet and exercise, they are at the root of uh, so much good potential. So um, you you went to a natural uh, co-op in, was it in Austin? We did. And and I love the idea. You, you went to the co-op and you brought like a baggie that had your tortilla in it. Um, yes. and, and then what happened? Yeah, so my, my brother, um, I think we decided we won't do this unless we have a customer. Um, otherwise, you know, why are we going to go through all of the trouble of starting a business and finding a place to make the product if we have nobody to sell them to? So um, we literally just, with a bag, I think there was 10 tortillas in a bag. I drove them up from Laredo to Austin. Um, we, on the spot, at the store, it's called Wheat Soul Food Co-op. Uh, we asked to meet with their buyer, and he came out and chatted with us. And you mean you didn't have an brother, appointment or anything? I'm sorry? You didn't have an appointment in, in advance or anything? No, we oh didn't. Oh, my gosh. We just showed up. <laughs> 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 it's, it, it's a pretty small store. Um, so they were they were pretty welcome to us doing that. Got it. And um, I, I think my brother made the buyer taste the tortillas right in front of us. <laughs> He was going to take them to the back, and my brother said, no, I want to see your reaction, um, and let's let's talk about, you know, the possibilities. So he tasted them, liked them, and said, well, we'll, we'll carry them here. Um, h- how soon can you have them on our shelves? So that presented a little bit of a problem because <laughs> we didn't have a business. Uh, we didn't have any brand name. All, all I had was a recipe. We didn't even have a place to make them. So he gave us two months to go and get all of those things in order. And they were really helpful, actually. Um, Kind of came up with a list of all of the things that we had to get done. And uh, we went and did it. Me, my mom, and my brother, with the help of my dad, and my siblings, my other siblings also helped um, as much as they could. So it was really a family affair. We found a a kitchen to rent uh, hourly. It was a gluten-free bakery uh, in Austin. And uh, we started renting on weekends and making the tortillas by hand. Um, we 
made our first batch and delivered them. I think it was in probably February of 2014. And then they kept asking for more. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's just exactly the result that you'd hope. So he is, did the, um, the buyer, did he give you the list of things that you needed to do? Uh, and he helped you along or did you just know, um, intuitively what you needed to do to get started? No, he, I, I think he actually gave us a list of things that we needed to do. And it was simple things like find the commercial kitchen, um, make sure that you're registered with the city and the health department and, um, you know, file your, you know, become a business. So I, I, there was a little bit of, uh, thankfully, you know, my brother uh, has his law degree. My father's an attorney as well as my sister. <laughs> so they had some idea about, you know, how you go file to become an actual business. So there was some some knowledge there. And were there other mentors along the way, people who helped you uh, learn how to, you know, make this at scale or how to create the business or tweak the recipes? Yeah, in, in the very beginning, um, I uh, leaned a lot on, um, so her name, I'll actually say her name here, Leah Lopez. She is the um, owner and founder of a local gluten-free bakery. Uh, well, they're, they're actually national now. It's called Better Bites uh, Bakery. And... Um, that's actually the kitchen that we were renting out of hourly on the weekends. So she had been doing it a couple of years, and uh, she provided a lot of advice in the beginning. Um, what was the most valuable piece of advice that she or anybody gave you? Hmm. Well, I, actually, so we were involved in a um, an incubator program, um, about a year into the business, and at the time we were making just our almond flour tortilla, and I had a lot of recipes in mind um, for different products. You know, people were asking us for things like um, pizza crusts, um, bread, and I knew it was possible that I could make all of those things. And in, in some of our conversations, or in one of our conversations with a with a mentor at that time, Somebody, he told us, look, you're Mexican, make Mexican food. <laughs> and it sounded really harsh at the time, but it made a lot of sense because that was something that I was really passionate about, um, making and sharing with people, you know, sharing our culture, and it allowed us to be authentic. Um, so really it was his way of, of saying, you know, be authentic. Um, and I think that was probably the most, uh, valuable piece of advice because it really steered us in into the direction that we've moved into now, being this healthy Mexican-American food brand, and it helps us to be focused uh, rather than trying to do everything to please everybody. And as you've grown, you've um, added more tortillas and, I mean, more, more flavors, if you will. How did you do that R&D to expand the brand? But, you know, of course, as you said, you stayed on point with Mexican-American foods. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's kind of a process very similar to, you know, the very first time I made a product. Um, I'm always just trying to solve my own problems. So um, when we moved into chips, it really was because I wanted to eat 
well, me and my family wanted to eat tortilla chips, and there wasn't anything out there that we could enjoy. Um, everything was made with corn or even rice, and um, we were trying to uh, eliminate grains as much as possible. So um, the process is always just solving my own problem. Um, and, uh, you know, as we expand into different categories, uh, we, you know, I'm always keeping that in mind. I think that's really helpful. Um, if I'm solving my own problem, then I'm very likely solving other people's problems too. So I noticed on the um, on your site you also sell uh, clothes like onesies and t-shirts and they're super cute. Um, who are the people in those pictures? Um, they are some. So I think there's some kids. Those are there's, my nieces and nephews. I just was like, I, it just felt like it must be family. It was so adorable. The kids yeah. are so cute. <laughs> yeah, and uh, some of the adults are uh, a couple of our employees that have been with us from you know, almost the very beginning. So there's the seven family members in the business, every single one of you, which is, uh, again, sort of extraordinary. Um, how, how many people uh, are working with you now? Um, besides my family? or in addition, in addition to your family. In addition to my family. I think we're at 25 or 26 today and growing um, and quickly. And uh, so tell me, what is the, in what direction are you, are you growing your... Are you growing, uh, Wholesale accounts, you're, you have Whole Foods is a huge part of it, but who else? Or- yeah, so initially uh, we were really focused on natural. Um, we, we wanted to grow out our brand in that way and um, really build that as our foundation. And um, we recently, I guess this year really, has been uh, pushing into more conventional stores and still really focused on natural, but... Um, trying to meet people, you know, in the in the grocery stores where they shop on a regular basis. So we're in a lot of uh, conventional grocery stores now, and uh, so growing out uh, our distribution, um, and then also growing out in our you know, product pipeline. So this year uh, we'll have more chips, more chip flavors, more tortilla um, uh, flavors. I guess you can call them. Uh, and uh, even growing out into different categories that we've never been in before. And like, because I said, there's cassava and coconut, which I was intrigued by. Yeah. And chia seeds. That was our second product. Um, so our first was the almond flour. Second was our cassava coconut-based tortilla. And that really came about um, just listening to customer feedback. I was seeing a lot of people were really interested in eating a grain-free tortilla, uh, but uh, could, couldn't eat uh, almonds or any nuts. Oh. So it was our, our nut-free option for those people. But you're going to be air-free soon. You know, there's, it's nut-free, it's <laughs> gluten-free, it's free-free. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, and so you are the, um, the co-founder and you're the chief innovation officer, which makes you in many ways because it was your product the spokesperson but as we started out this um interview we talked about um your shyness and you just couldn't wait for this to be over you're you're getting close you're getting close you're doing a really great job but you're shy how how is it to actually um you know run this company and be shy like what role has being shy played in you know running this business um 
Yeah, I am shy, and it is something that has been difficult to overcome. Um, I think, so like talking to you today is kind of difficult for me, and I think a lot of it is I'm a middle child, like right smack in the middle. I have an older sister, older brother, then a younger sister, younger brother, and so I'm kind of used to just blending in and going with the flow, Um, and running this business has definitely put me in a position where I have to get out of my comfort zone um, on a daily basis, really. Um, And it's, you know, talking to you and doing things like this is just something I've decided that I have to do um, for for our business and then also for my own personal growth. Um, Actually, this year, I, um, I usually say no to doing things like this. And this year, I told myself, I'm going to do things and say yes to things that make me really uncomfortable because I think that's going to help me to grow as a person. So hopefully just doing it more and more often will make me more comfortable and maybe one day I'll overcome the shyness uh, when it comes to stuff like this. And also you'll, just, you'll, you'll have grown an it. inch by the, by the end. By when you get off, you're like, oh, my God, I'm taller. Um, <laughs> so and – how did you force yourself to do these things you don't want to do? Because I think a lot of listeners probably find themselves, you know, there's things that they don't want to do that make them uncomfortable. And I, I feel like understanding that is so, so important. Ooh, um, I think I do it because I know that it's, you know, going to be beneficial for the company. And But, but how do you make yourself do it? Like, how do you, you just gird yourself and you're like, it's just grit and determination Is that it? Like you just had that stern conversation with yourself and you're like, I'm just going to do that. You know, sometimes there actually is, uh, you know, I'll I'll chat with my siblings and my parents and let them know, okay, I was asked to participate in this panel or this conference and I really don't want to do it because I'm nervous about it. Um, And they usually give me the confidence that I need to do this stuff, um, remind me that, is, it's possible, <laughs> and I'm capable of speaking about, you know, our business and my life. So um, I think I just get the confidence from them. And do you find having done because we met um, at South by Southwest when you were on a great panel uh, that was hosted by Spoon University? Uh, do you feel after an experience like that that you're just like a tiny bit more comfortable or do you feel that sense of it contributing to your life in a way that you'd hoped or not yet? No, it it definitely does help. I I do feel like every time I force myself to um, get uncomfortable, I grow a little bit more. And There there was really a point, um, I remember in, in grad school, I couldn't stand up in front of my classmates, and there was, you know, 12 people in my class uh, to give a presentation without feeling like I had a frog, you know, in the back of my throat. So there's some issues with, you know, public speaking and feeling confident in front of a crowd um, that I think I've mostly overcome. So uh, and you, you do grow. And the great thing is that in the case of your um, the food, you can give people you know these the the tortillas or the chips, and they do a lot of talking for you, right? <laughs> Once someone has tried that, they're like, oh my gosh, you're amazing because this thing is incredible and it's changed my life. And you know there are a lot of people who deal with um, autoimmune disease or lupus or need to have an anti-inflammatory diet, and you're just helping all of those. 
people. So you've already spoken so loudly with what you've put in the marketplace. Yeah, it definitely makes, um, knowing that makes doing stuff like this um, a lot easier, knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell people about this product that we're making and uh, it can benefit them and change their lives um, the way it's changed mine. So with that, I have one last question for you. Uh, I always ask my guests to pay it forward. A woman in the food industry who has been a mentor, who's shown you the way, um, I'd love to know who that person is and and what they've taught you so that our, our listeners can learn from them too. Uh, oh, you're asking me who yeah. somebody who's uh, been a mentor for me? Who has been a mentor and who's helped uh, shape your life in, in food and business and um, just to pay it forward. Yeah, I, I would actually say um, my grandmother is a, was a food mentor for me. Um, she wasn't a, a business person, but uh, I think she's really shaped a lot of you know, what I'm doing today and what our family is doing. She was a great cook. Um, and I think she always taught me to just watching her. I could tell that everything she made was made with love. And um, that's something I try to do with all of the products that I make. And there, there you have it. That is this episode of Speaking Broadly. Veronica, thank you for getting out of your comfort zone for me and for all of the listeners who are going to be inspired by the way in which you dealt with that illness early on, that you've got it under control, that you're giving people delicious foods that can help them live better. And um, I can't wait to see how you and your company grow. If people want to um, follow you either on social media or uh, how do they find you? Yeah, so we are, I think, at Siete Foods um, on Instagram and on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, please follow along. We have a lot of fun. Uh, you can watch some of our Instagram stories and, and see all of the stuff that we're doing here. And all of the really great food that you eat because, as you say, like a, a tortilla alone, I mean, that might be a snack, but you guys eat really well. The, <laughs> the, to, yeah. the big <laughs> barbecues and you have a lot, of, um, a lot of fun with food. And you know where to find me, Dana Cowan. Um, you can find me at FW Scout on Instagram and Twitter. I want to thank David Tatashore, the amazing engineer, and Carlin Thompson, my wing lady, um, for a great season because, folks, hard to believe, but this wraps up the season of Speaking Broadly, and we'll see you next season. Have a great beginning of spring. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.